Hi, I'm Edwin. And I'm Andrew. Sound the battle cry. Two men, 15 minutes, eternal impact. Welcome to Text Talk. For the Lord, gird your armor on, stand firm, everyone. Good morning, Edwin. Good morning, Andrew. Happy Monday, Edwin. It is a new week. It is a new week, and we're rolling along in June, first Monday of June. How does that happen? Ah. I tell you what, this year is flying by. It is. Excited about that. Excited about the summer. and Big week this week. All kinds of special things happening this week that we'll have to tell you about as the week goes I'm along. I'm sure we'll talk about it as the days pass by. But I do know that it's Monday, so we got a new chapter in the book of Hebrews. Yes, we do. We've turned the page. We're looking at Hebrews chapter 6 for our readings and discussions this week. And I really only want to start with the first three verses. Sure. So I just want to jump in here. I think there's a really good piece of advice that we should get from what happens here in verses 1 through 3. Okay. Therefore, let us leave the elementary doctrine of Christ and go on to maturity, not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God and of instruction about washings, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. And this we will do if God permits. Well, I remember from some previous episodes that when you see a verse start with the word therefore yes. or similar, mm-hmm. we're supposed to always ask, why is it therefore? What's so it there for? Hey, is this one of those places where we're continuing on a thought from the end of the previous chapter? It is. You know, after I started reading, I thought maybe <laughs> what we should have done is gone ahead and read some of those verses that were prior to it's that. Probably let's, a good let's idea. back up to chapter five. I'm going to start in sure. verse 11, because this really is a shocking thing that happens, I think here in chapter 6 and verse 1. Here's here's what it said at the end of our chapter 5. And I forgot to tell you, but I am reading from the English Standard Version. I'm going to start in verse 11 of chapter 5. About this we have much to say, and it is hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness since he is a child. But solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. Therefore, therefore, <laughs> leaving behind. Yeah. yeah. So this is really surprising to me because the last paragraph of Hebrews chapter five, as, as we have it recorded in our Bibles, the last paragraph is talking about how the audience is not where they ought to be. Yeah, they're supposed to be teachers. They should be teachers by now, but they are very immature. They're mm-hmm. stuck on this milk of the word. Last week, we talked a little bit about how the ending of this reminds us of Adam and Eve, and they're choosing between good and evil and going to the tree, and how the Hebrew writer is is expressing his fear that his audience is going to become like Adam and Eve. Though, though they've received promises, though they've been saved, though they're in Christ, they might not choose right. what is right. And, yeah. and rather than learning what is good and evil from God, they learn it from another source. Drift just away like or Eve go did, back. Drifting yeah. away. But, but the whole thing was predicated on, you guys are immature, you guys don't know enough, you should be teaching right now, but instead you need this milk of the word. What I expect him to then say in chapter 6 and verse 1 is, therefore, let us repeat the basic principles and refresh the elementary doctrine of Christ before we go on to maturity. Mm, yeah. That's, that's what I expect him to say. Right. He said, you guys need that. You guys you guys aren't where you're supposed to be. You ought to be teaching, but you need all this milk again. So here we go. Here's all. But he doesn't say, so here we go. No. Here's all this milk again. He says, therefore, let us leave the elementary doctrine of Christ and go on to maturity. Mm-hmm. He says, because you guys are stuck in immaturity, what we need to do mm-hmm. is move on to maturity. We need to get past all of these things. Yeah. It To me, this is a huge, 
warning, a huge encouragement. Maybe rather than warning, he's done the warnings. This is an encouragement. Grow. Yeah, grow. Don't stay where you are. Grow, grow beyond repeating over and over the things that you know and are sure of. What I find interesting about this uh, first three verses is the list of things that evidently to the Hebrew writer's mind would be first principles or elementary principles. Mm-hmm. And you've got things in there like repentance and baptisms and faith, um, you know, um, resurrection from the dead. Eternal judgment. Eternal judgment, heaven and hell, those sorts of things. He's saying, you guys should already be teaching everybody about these yeah, things. Yeah, you should know we, all these things. Yeah. And of course, that's the problem they're having, especially when it comes to this issue of eternal judgment. He's mm-hmm. he's really been on that as he's talked about the fact that we need to be doing our best to enter his rest. Right. We need to be striving and diligent. We need to fear lest we miss the sure, rest. Sure. And he talks about the word of God and it being sharp as a two-edged sword that will cut between the soul and the spirit and the joints and the marrow and the thoughts yeah. and intentions of the heart. It's all of those things are about judgment. He's saying, we need to move beyond this. You guys are still stuck. I'm having to remind you of all of this. Yeah. And and he's wanting to move on and tell them more about Christ and deeper things about Christ. And particularly this priesthood order of Melchizedek, he wants to get into that and teach him about all those things. Which, by the way, I find interesting if we read ahead into chapter 7, which of course we won't do today, but if you read ahead into <laughs> chapter 7 and 8, that is exactly what he does. Here in chapter 5, he gets up to mentioning this order of Melchizedek. Yes. Then he says, I want to talk about it, but it's really hard because you guys aren't mature enough for this. And then he rebukes them, and then he talks a little bit about moving on, and then he actually does talk about it. He mm-hmm. does get to this He does thing, get there even, finally. Even though he said it would be hard because of your immaturity, yeah. he really does move beyond and get to this mature teaching. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, there's a lesson here, maybe a few lessons, but one of them is that we need to be always eager to grow and to learn more. I think that's the uh, an outstanding, fabulous lesson that we need to get here, that we must not be satisfied wherever we are. Mm-hmm. The Hebrew writer does not say to them, you guys need milk, but that's okay. It's all right. Just, you know, look, it's all about the grace of God, and so you'll just get to go to heaven anyway, and so don't worry about knowing more. Don't worry about digging mm-hmm. deeper. He says, you guys are messed up right now, but... And rather than lingering there, we're going to push you on. We're going to push to maturity because that's what we're supposed to be doing. That's what discipleship is. It's growing. Well, when he gives a a list or maybe kind of a thumbnail sketch of elementary doctrines, first principle kinds of teachings, um, you know, in in my experience, I have found that Christians, uh, we like to hear the things we know. Yeah. We, We like to hear about the things that we do well. And there's a balance that has to be struck, I think, for preachers and teachers to be mindful of, okay, there may be some people in the congregation that are new to the Lord, and they need to be instructed in these things. There's other people that they should know this well. We should be able to move on with them, do other, um, you know, other kind of teaching or explore other facets. But there certainly is, I think, something to be observed here about a comfort level. There are some Christian teachings and doctrines we're comfortable with, you know, we, we like grace, can't hear enough about it. Like baptism, always want to hear another sermon about baptism. We're good in those things. We're good in those things. Um, and so part of spiritual growth then is the willingness to be stretched and the impetus the, to be uh, provoked or stimulated onto love and good works to go further, 
than what we've always heard, what we've always known. And if the Lord permits, that's exactly what we need to be doing. I appreciate that statement. He says, you know, I'm going to do that if the Lord wills. If Mm. if God is willing, if God gives us time, if God is patient with us, that's exactly what we're going to do. We're going to grow. We're going to move beyond this. In fact, in the next page of this letter, we're going to move beyond this. We're going to be on with this, yeah. We're going to be taking the next step in spiritual growth. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um. Are you surprised by any of the things in his list of uh, first principles? Well, the laying on of hands is actually kind of it's surprising to, kind of to study me. and talk about. Yeah, that, it's kind of surprising to me that they viewed that as elementary principles, as some of the very beginning. So, two teachings thoughts to my mind about that, and maybe you have that uh, a third. But that could be in reference to the work of apostles mm-hmm. when they were laying hands on Christians, imparting um, spiritual gifts, and we have references to that in Acts chapter 8, and it's certainly alluded to in 1 Corinthians what, ch- chapters 12 through 14, I guess. Then the other idea about laying on of hands comes from 1 Timothy, where it's the idea of appointing to offices mm-hmm. in the church, lay hands on no one hastily. And so I, I wonder if that expression is is speaking to, uh, you know, spiritual gifts alive and well in a first century church setting, or maybe it really is about organization of a church and, and setting local churches in order. Uh, what do you think? Well, go, going back to Acts chapter 13, when Paul and Barnabas are going to be sent off on their trip, mm-hmm. they fasted mm-hmm. and they laid their hands on them yeah. as they sent them on their trip, commissioning them on this work, uh, praying for them. Yes. I, I certainly think that the scripture uses this idea of laying on of hands probably more than than I have been comfortable with. I think there. Yeah. I think some of this, with the laying on of hands, is taking what was very cultural, what what had what had grown up, especially among the Hebrews, right? As in under Judaism, there would be this kind of blessing and this praying as you laid hands on someone mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that did not necessarily even intimate something miraculous. Mm-hmm. Though, of course, in the New Covenant, with the miraculous gifts, sometimes laying hands it could. did mean that. Yeah. But this idea of commissioning, and so as an elementary principle, this elementary teaching, I think is along that idea of, as you said, the organization of the church, the establishment of offices, the commissioning of people to do the work that they're supposed to be doing. He says that, look, this is some of the first stuff we need to be talking about. And of course, when Paul went on his first missionary journey, he went through an appointed church, uh, established churches, and then on his way back through each of the churches, what did he do? Yeah. He appointed elders. elders in every church. Here's this laying on of hands that would have happened at that yeah. time as they are commissioning those roles. Is there something that's surprising to you about the list? Well, um, you know, that that's the one that I, when I think of first principles, I'm not sure if, if that would have made my list, but that's because we don't use that language as much yeah. these days. So I, I think your point is well they're taken. Um, you know, the idea of doctrine of baptisms, being plural, plural. washings being plural. Yeah, um, I, you know my my tack on that in times past has been to kind of survey. Well, where does this word baptism show up in yeah. New Testament documents? You know, you've got Ephesians four where there's one baptism, mm. but then when you look at the ministry of Christ, you know, there's a baptism of fire and a baptism of the Spirit. Um, the baptism of suffering, and so you know that that there are different aspects of immersion. Um, I do believe, though, that uh, to be initiated and to become a Christian, it's immersion in water for the remission of sins. Well, you can imagine when talking to Hebrews who are who you are going to 
provoke and encourage to submit to Jesus Christ, who have experience with washings from the law, sure. especially as the priests were involved in certain kinds of cleansings and ablutions yeah. and washings. Then you had John the Baptist come along with his washing That's and right. his baptism. That's right that the instruction in washings or instruction in baptisms would actually be about, look, the the word baptism can apply to a lot of different things, but let's talk about the baptism that Mm -hmm. will actually save you. Mm -hmm. So there's going to be instruction in all of these uses of the term. Part of that instruction, as we take a look at the rest of the New Testament, is going to be, as Ephesians says, but there is one baptism, there's one baptism that actually brings you into Jesus, that actually provides the remission mm-hmm. of sins. Mm-hmm. Peter is going to talk about that, that the fact that we have our sins washed away when we are baptized. That's that's in lots of different places throughout the New Testament. And so the the plural there gives, gives us a problem because we know of Ephesians 4, oh, there's one baptism. It will accept, yeah, but to teach the one baptism to Jews, you're going to have to give instructions about all the different places that word has been used. Very true. And I think that's what's probably being discussed here. Very true. Very true. Anything else on there? Well, uh, I will say as well that I, I do appreciate that what are foundational things actually starts with repentance. Yeah. Uh, if there's much to the order here, it's, it's about that change from dead works. And then you have the faith. And then the washing. And then the washing. And yes. And the baptism. Mm-hmm. Uh, so often we start everything with faith. Yes. Yeah. So repentance and faith. Repentance from dead works. That's interesting that the works that we're doing when we're outside of Jesus Christ are dead works. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I, need to, I need to repent and turn from the dead works because I'm supposed to be doing the good holy works in Jesus Christ. Yeah. And so we're going to find later in Hebrews as we talk about provoking one another to love and good works. Yeah. Because now we are in Christ. The amazing... Oh, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, I, I guess one of the things that I find fascinating about this list is if, you know, if as a kind of a thought question or kind of an exercise, where would you start to teach the gospel with someone else? What, what is it that new Christians really need to be instructed in? And would your list look like this list? Yeah. Because this is what the Holy Spirit said through the writer. These are first principles. You get that under your belt, and we need to move on from here. We need to move on from here. In fact, <laughs> we need to move on. We got to move on today, don't we? That's <laughs> Why don't you right. go ahead and wrap us up with prayer? Our great God and Father, Lord, thank you so much for the day. We're glad that we have time to be together in your word and to look at these scriptures. Father, to be mindful that there are foundational truths and a part of this gospel that we want to know, that we want to understand that we want to practice and that we want to share with others. But Father, we are called to continue to grow. We ought not look at teachings like this listed here in these verses and say, well, I understand all that. I I guess I know all there is to know. But Father, may we have a continual hunger, Father, for your righteousness and for your word that we might grow and be a better servants in your service and in your hand. Please bless us to that end. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Thanks for talking about the text with us today. I'm Edwin Crozier, and I'd like to invite you to join the Christians who meet on Livingston Avenue in Lutz, Florida, this Sunday for our Bible classes and worship. You can find out more at christiansmeethere.org. Check out our daily written devotional that goes along with today's episode. You can find a link for it in our show notes. Michael Eldridge sang all four parts of our theme song. You can get more from him at acapeldridge.com. Please remember to subscribe, rate, and review Text Talk in your favorite podcast app so others can find it and learn about it more easily. 
Have a fantastic day. Steady, pass the word along. Onward, forward, shout aloud, Hosanna. Christ is captain of the mighty throne.